0: Welcome to North Beats from North Beach. I'm Corey Luna, your host, and I'm broadcasting on this wonderful October afternoon as the Blue Angels are practicing for next weekend. I've been out of the loop a little bit late on pa- uploading my podcast. October 5th, I went to Velocity in Seattle, Washington. Thank you very much, Tim Held of Podgata Modcast, and Ellison Wolf of Waveform Magazine for inviting me. We, I took a lot of photos with my friends Dorian Gunnels and Matt Bidoff We had a wonderful time It was really great Looking forward to next year So this episode is I interviewed Peter Nybor, Of sensel And we talked about the sensel morph and, and we get into his background In, in uh, college and coding Hope you enjoy this episode It's really fun And there's going to be some Performances coming up Not particularly with Peter Nybor, but using a Sensel Morph coming soon. Stay tuned. If you feel like contributing to the podcast, head on over to patreon.com forward slash northbeats to contribute to this wonderful podcast, which has been so much fun. It has come out of the electronic music scene that's inspired me. And over here in the Bay Area, San Francisco and Oakland, check out the first Sunday of every month. Resident Frequencies in Oakland, run by Kevin Fredrickson. Resident, which is on the second Tuesday of the month, maybe it's on the first month, uh, I'm not sure anymore. So it's on a Tuesday. Over at the Laundry here in San Francisco, run by Frank Martin and Emory Peterman, A.K.A. Easy Puzzle. And also on the third Wednesday of every month, running strong for now six or seven months is peaked check out more on the meetup app for peaked or you can also look us up on instagram under peaked sf we also have a facebook page for peaked as well as an event so you can check it out and make sure you make the next one we've got some great performances coming up real soon in october november and december i'm not going to announce the names just yet But stay tuned, check out those links as well. And I hope to see you all out there. All right, we're here with Peter Nybor. Peter, thanks for coming by. Really appreciate you coming over here.
1: Yeah, it's good to do these things face to face when possible. So, it is wanted to make that make sure that happened. So thanks again, man.
0: So it was kind of funny because I remember meeting you. I think it was it was here in San Francisco sometime last year, and you and I were. I think you were playing a show at Resident in San Francisco, right? And you played there, and I was really impressed with you know the equipment you you were using, and then I ran into you at Synthplex like three months ago.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I remember you're like, Oh yeah, I saw that show. And it was like, Whoa, you, you were like one of 10 people <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and, and the five performers. Yeah. But that was really fun. Cause I had been putting that stuff together, you know, and it's like, I really wanted to, it was, it was nice. Cause it's like, I like to play live, but I don't, I don't, you know, seek it out. It's not my career, you know? Yeah. And I just kind of like to have those things fall in my lap. And so it was like, Oh, this fell in my lap. I'm going to do this. So it was really fun. It was, it was good because it was, like, it's a low-key situation. like Yeah. That. And I haven't gotten up to a resonant at, um, in Oakland Oh, Resonant Frequencies? Resonant Frequencies, yeah. yeah. So I really want to do that one, hopefully, in the next few months. Um, it's a great place to just test things out. And it's, like, the idea of having an open mic, um, yeah. you know, where it's, like, a really diverse group of performers. And, you know, it's, like, if you make a mistake, like, no one's going to – it's just very low pressure. so it's It like is. You yeah, can test like... things out, and that's really important. You know, it's, like – like comedy, you know, and it, it's, it's like hard to do with music because people kind of have these expectations. Either, you know, either the club wants to sell drinks, uh, you know, or, you know, people have an expectation of what they want to hear or something like that. And so you have to meet it. Whereas, like, you know, open mic comedy, you know, most people do terrible. <laughs>
0: so. Do you have experience with this? No, I don't. I don't.
1: But it's, you know, and I don't, I don't, I just like used to listen to like, like the Mark Marin podcast, I used to listen to that uh, kind of regularly, and um, you know they would talk about. He has a lot of comedians on there, and they talk about that. So, I'm just it just makes a lot of sense to me. So, okay, yeah,
0: very cool. Um, yeah, so Resident Frequencies and Resident again are great platforms for you know just experimentation and just bringing new new material to to an audience that is curious to hear what you're playing and it's been, to me, the, I've I really enjoyed both of them. I've gotten to know a lot of the people who run those each, and I actually started a a, um, a, a show called Peaked with my friend Rich Hogman, where we, we get together once a month on the, on the third Wednesday of every month, and actually we, we did our third show uh, last week, I think it was, the week before, and we're gonna have our fourth show next month in July, and where we're actually showcasing uh, two art two musicians at a time where they perform and then i interview them about their set oh that's bit. awesome and it's yeah. been a lot of fun so far and the the people who are, who are run resident and resident frequencies have all come together and are supporting what i'm doing as well that's great what uh, rich and i are doing together so it's it's been fantastic
1: you're doing that here in sf
0: yeah uh, okay. we're actually doing that at supply frame which is on third and bryant oh okay so i'll give you i'll give you the flyer for it later today
1: yeah i've been it's funny because i've kind of been longing for that because i live down in san jose and san jose you know i've been there for about uh, like 14 15 years now oh, wow you know and it's like i moved there from oakland and in oakland there was just this nice vibrant scene at the time for like experimental music and then also of course in san francisco and uh it was a great again a great place to like throw ideas out and just you know play them out in front of like friendly ears and things like that and um And, uh, you know, you could really just sort of stretch out doing experimental things or whatever was sort of like, you know, eating at you or, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and, um, coming down to San Jose, it was just like, man, there's just no scene here, you know? Uh, at least, you know, not for that, not the type of scene I was interested in. And, uh, I I remember when we first started, you know, going to like restaurants and and bars in San Jose, it was just, I'd look around and be like, what is holding this place together you know because it's like you go to a bar in san francisco and they're sort of like you know it's like you kind of get a sense of a a community there or something like that um and in san jose that just wasn't there it was like there'd be like a surfer dude and an engineer guy over here and you know so it was kind of cool because it was like in some ways it was like oh there's a lot of like you know cross-pollination and in just in terms of like physicality i guess <laughs> yeah um but it was like well where do i go if i'm into the xyz but i think some there's some you know people down there who are into sense and i think like uh given the right amount of attention and energy i think there's uh, some scene i think that could start to be built out there so hopefully I, hopefully that happens over the next couple of years because uh driving spending two hours to drive up to do a <laughs> half hour set is a little bit <laughs> sure, yeah,
0: but and it's crazy yeah. because everybody that is that I know that's in the South Bay or San Jose area are coming up to here. Like Mark Lechner, who does Electric Kitchen, right? And Mark. and I don't. And uh, who else is there? There's a bunch. Uh, there's a few other people yeah, as Tim, well. Thompson, Tim Thompson, Kim Thompson, Danny Kim, and Danny Kim, and, yeah, uh Jim Drones, which I don't think he's performed in a while. I know he's out in San Jose, but I but with his you know, personal life, I think he has just had, had too much time to really yeah. be back in the scene. Yeah, but I, know I know he's, I know he's down there.
1: Yeah. But yeah, it's great. You know, it's like, um, I think there is just sort of something in, in the air too about, you know, trying to create like physical meetups and places for these, uh, for this music to happen. And these, these instruments like electronic music, synth uh, particularly, you know, a lot of these things are sort of modular synth uh, as a hub. Yeah. Um, not a requirement. Uh, the, you know, like the, there's been over the past ten years the explosion in like Iraq and synthesizers and synthesizer hardwares happened, um, but there hasn't been a sort of uh, correlated explosion in places for those things to be heard. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, and and I think you know there's also just sort of like social media has failed us. I think, and I think that is in the zeitgeist, and so it's it's nice that people are like, oh wait. We could actually like be in the same room <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it's been pretty uh great because well i sought it out you know two years ago when i was feeling the hunger for for you know the camaraderie yeah i went out and started trying to find things and the first thing that was that came to my attention was resonant frequencies so i went there for the first time in i think april of 2018 mm-hmm. and it was still you know relatively new wasn't you know well, i don't think it had been a year yet yeah. i think not quite too sure about that but i'll talk to kevin about that but and then resident happens was starting i think just after uh was frequencies began so i probably showed up at maybe like the third like show that he did yeah and so i've been trying to go there regularly and not so not as much resident frequencies just because i don't have a car it's just a bit more of an inconvenience mm, to go sure. there right now but yeah. i've, I've I've uh, been able to hitch a ride with Matt Bidoff once in a while. Yeah. Who's one of the, the guy who
1: does the photography for it. Oh yeah. He, the photos are fantastic. Yeah. He yeah. It was a really good job. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause it's like, I get a lot of, you know, I just, um, my line of work. Cause I work in music products, music technology products. The, I go to a lot of trade shows and things like that. I just got back from super booth. Um, you got the shirt for it. And, that's right. I'm wearing the super booth shirt. That's great. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that is really, uh, That's a really unique event, you know, because it's a trade show, Um, but it is. It's like massive, massively modular synthesizers. And uh, so many of the boutique manufacturers, it's all, you know, a lot of Europeans out there, too, being in the middle of Europe in Berlin. Um, And they just they hold it at a really unusual location, which just gives the place, you know, that extra like architectural vibe at the Fez Berlin and and they have like workshops and they have like you know performances and, and the manufacturers like it's coming you know working with Sensel like I see you know I get the opportunity like because we had a booth there and it's like oh well you can pay a little extra to do a little performance you know and instead of like most trade shows would be like okay well we'll give you a stage where you can talk you know and you demo or whatever and they, they put the strict thing and it's like okay you have 20 minutes but you have to play music for 15 of it you know <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so it's like that just sort of that type of requirement it just like puts a much more cultural vibe on the on the um show and uh yeah it just is like a, it's a really great meeting place for you know this type of uh the electronic culture and modular mm-hmm. culture and i think that you know like synthplex where we met last that's something that they're trying to trying to foster i think you know the yeah and it definitely it's a contrast in you know like i said architectural vibe you know because that's at the um, marriott and burbank yeah. <laughs> which is you know it's the facilities were were very functional but they're not groovy you know where, whereas that's right yeah you know whereas like in at super booth is like on the other end of the spectrum where it's like well it might be kind of hard you know to get out there and it's hard to like uh you know the space is all weird and you there's it's open to the public for other parts, so there's like a swimming hall and playgrounds, wow. and, yeah. So, you know, it's it's a little bit you know, disoriented in that regards, but like once you settle in, it's like, oh, it just oozes all sorts of vibes. So,
0: wow. yeah, yeah, I haven't been to Superbooth yet, and that's something that's on my bucket list, yeah, for you know, maybe next year,
1: yeah. And the, yeah, and it's just like it's great because it's like there's you know, a whole circuit of these things, and they're, ex- they're expanding again, like really. Um, well, n- not Superbooth, but I mean, just like the sort of like this desire to meet in person and show these things in person um and to cross-pollinate in person you know it's just um as as there's been a growth in you know sort of like digital interaction we've also seen a lot of growth like synthplex is new um and i just i noticed there's a lot of smaller synthesizer meetups in europe and like italy there's a couple there's one in like florence and turin um there is and then a lot of like the music trade, sh- not music trade, shows, but like music um, festivals also have like a conference and trade show component. So like Amsterdam dance event, Sonar, Sonar's always kind of been big on that and Mutech and Mutech's expanding to a lot of different,
0: yes. um,
1: a lot of different cities and that's part of what they do. There's an educational component, uh, or, you know, just sort of like a educational and cultural component that's outside of just like going to shows at night. So yeah, it's very, it's a. Yeah. It's cool to see how these scenes are sort of changing, and you know, sort of what's sort of what's pushing that.
0: <laughs> what did you think of uh, Synthplex? How it was structured? Uh,
1: well, it's hard to say because it's like I'm there as a manufacturer, right? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, my concerns are are different from the uh, from the attendees who's there, because uh, like I, you know, when you're when you're showing a product, uh, you got to set it up. You know, you are just like this whole other layer of like to dos and then you have to be at the booth or you know or you know traveling around and you know seeing what's new on the floor and seeing you know um and just meeting up like with this community of you know all the people who make music products you know because that is having been in the business for a long time it's like it is a very real community and it's just it's uh uh it's just great to say hello and you make friends you know much more so than i would if like i was selling like you know, CRM software like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot less to bind you there. <laughs> um, so, I mean, from the, from that end, like everything, you know, my table was ready, you know, like all the things that like you need, like it was yeah. there and like all the expectations were met. Um, I feel like, you know, the the foot traffic could have been better for, for us for, mm-hmm. you know, as far as the show floor, but it was cool. Cause it reached out to a very different crowd. Um, than, you know, say like, uh and yeah say like super booth for example or nam um it was a lot a lot of it was focused on you know being in burbank it was like people who were doing film and tv and you know actively working in production um you know and people who were doing music it was usually in service of some other part of another production it wasn't necessarily like people who were just like i'm you know making music for the sake of music mm-hmm. there i mean there's definitely a lot of that but um it was interesting that there were so many film and tv people there and it's like oh that's cool like i don't get a chance to like corner those people and understand like where they're coming from a lot because that's not my world so yeah Yeah. i mean so that's cool it's like it's a different it's a different community um and i think it offers a lot of you know potential for growth yeah
0: and that was something i really was impressed with simplex that There is such a variety of people that are within that are are within the trade that are using these, you know, the equipment and technology for different purposes. Yeah. For example, I went in one of the last uh, talks I I went into on that Sunday morning. There was a lady who was who's been working in sports for maybe I don't know thirty plus years, and her and she had a talk with with a PowerPoint that talked about where the microphones are set up in the ground around a baseball field and i had no idea right but and then she's talking and then she's showing like these beautiful pictures of of what the van looks like that she's in all day with like one or two other people running all the audio and the video all at the same time as it's broadcasting live yeah and there's a there's this wonderful uh, picture of all these cables plugged in row for row and there's there's and there and there's a, a zip tie around them and she says that person took a, spent a lot of time doing that. And that's, uh, he's a little neurotic probably, but it's done really well. <laughs>
1: yeah. You're right. 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 <laughs> so. Yeah. That is funny. Cause it's yeah, that, that is that sort of like, um, I know, you know, as, as someone who's been, you know, working with electronic music and, you know, mu- music programming and music software and music hardware, you know, I learned this stuff and, uh 30 years ago <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. so uh, i went to uc santa cruz and kind of got into the electronic music studios there uh, and it was just a, a great little program for discovering things um and you know i find that you know having worked with technology for so long that like a lot of times i'll go to a show and if it's not if i'm not completely immersed in it i'm trying to engineer what's happening <laughs> you know <laughs> i'm like what is that gear, you know, how, how did, how did they manage to sort of pull this thing off? Are they doing, you know, it's like, I'll start my, my brain, I'll start trying to like, you know, analyze and sort of deconstruct like what's happening on stage, you know, and with, you know, a sports broadcast, I don't think about that, but it is as much, if not more, a part of it as you know, it's like a Broadway show or, you know, or a you know, yeah. huge pop production. It's like, it's a massive effort. And sound is an incredibly important part of that, you know? yeah um making it an enjoyable experience to watch a baseball game on tv yes (laughs) if you're into that sort of thing
0: yeah yeah it's like yeah again it's like it's not my thing but it was fascinating just to hear you know the setup and the tech and how they're using the technology
1: Yeah, and aside like many years ago i think it was like in the late 80s there was a change in um network coverage of football this is a total tangent sorry for your audience if you don't care about this i'll try to turn it into something that's interesting um but uh, I think it was like a change in TV contracts. And, you know, like football had always had been on multi, multi, multiple networks. And this is when Fox, um, the Fox network first came about, which was the late 80s. Hmm. Um, and they started broadcasting football. And they had like an op- – they had like – they could broadcast one game or something like that. And they did it totally differently than everybody. They hmm. put – they close-miked a lot of the action. And they're like – they wanted it to sound like – basically the producer said – had played the video games, you know, which were totally rudimentary compared to what they are now, but they were still quite involved and they had a lot of sound. Yeah. And he's like, I want my broadcast to be like that video game. <laughs> and, so, and so that's what they did. They brought a lot of the sounds forward and, you know, made you hear the quarterback, you know, you'd, you'd hear his audibles. Like, he yeah, wouldn't you what You're yelling was like, out. Yeah. Yeah. And you hear like the f- people hitting each other and, and, fox took over football you know and you know and it's like i'm sure there's a lot of other political machinations that you know and money trading that makes things like that happen but in terms of audience appreciation it was the sound i think that really kind of like took it to the next level for people it
0: brought yeah it brought the audience in more to actually captivate you know the energy and effort that goes into you know playing a game like that
1: right and i you know and i think that's like I turn around to the audience, you know, like, I think that's an important facet of, you know, music making on stage. And like, um, you know, I think watching a modular performance, like sometimes it is sort of like you're watching somebody meditate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it used to be with, with, uh, laptops, you know, back in like when those first started becoming performance inter- instruments, um, it was the, the joke was like, oh, this, someone's just checking their email because, you know, <laughs> you know, they're yeah. using this industrial appliance, this work appliance for, you know, creating unusual art. Um, so uh, sonically, you could hear everything, but you're like, oh, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> um, some some like very kinetic modular to the performers like um, uh, 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 Caitlin Aurelia Smith. I don't know if you've ever seen her live.
0: I know of her. I've never seen her live. Yeah.
1: So live, she's amazing because yeah. she is, I, I. she looks like she's, you know, handling like, you know, it's almost like, it's almost like watching a telephone operator from the 60s handling a national emergency, you know? Really? Because <laughs> she's just, she's patching, she's tweaking, she's singing, she wow. has foot pedals and she has a fairly, fairly large system that she's working on. It's not just a small suitcase that, you know. She's working on. She's very kinetic. Um, and it's really engaging to watch. You know, she just
0: played in San Francisco like a month or two ago, didn't she?
1: I don't know,
0: Maybe. actually. I, I think she. I think she did. I can't remember. What, I think she was at the mezzanine.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She so she. It. Um, she did. Yeah. So she's like she's super kinetic, um, and her music is just extremely like it's very complicated. You know, there's a lot of things going on, and you know, so it's hard to figure out like what what is playback and what's live, you know? But it's like, she's very busy, so. <laughs>
0: I think um, uh, Waveform Magazine, uh, they just put out their first issue, and yeah. uh, I think they actually have a full interview with her.
1: Oh, you're thinking of Suzanne Chani. I am thinking of Suzanne Chani. <laughs> Someone so, else, sorry. Suzanne also, but yes, also very kinetic. Um, not, as, not as kinetic as Caitlin, I would say. Okay. But she is. She does. She's, there's just a lot of, like, patching, and she... Puts up, she makes sure that you see it. You know, she puts a big video on, That's on the cool. wall. And yeah, I saw that show, and it was it was fantastic. It was a quadraphonic presentation, uh, pretty much almost all Buchla synths. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, and it was just it was funny because like I, I remarked to someone it was like it had a really old school vibe. You know, like in terms of this the, the uh, old school synthesizers. I mean, because she's using vintage Buchla stuff yeah. and she's been doing this for a long time you know <laughs> and she's she's gone through a lot of transitions um but yeah you kind of get the feeling of like the the you know when people were just experimenting with these things for the first time and spouting out noise and doing it on a quadraphonic system man <laughs> <laughs> and uh but the real difference is that like the speakers man they like they can handle the transients of this old stuff you know yeah. these like this they can handle like going from high to low really quickly and they just f- sound phenomenal. So it was just, that was a real, like pure sound treat. I really enjoyed that.
0: Are there any particular uh, speakers you use at home? Or no. That you, pre- <laughs> that you prefer. <laughs> my, my speaker
1: situation is, is, is kind of sad. Really? Like, I mean, I have like a, a, a decent subwoofer and then I have a couple of like small PreSonus monitors that I use, but I have a 10 by 12 office. I don't need. That's tiny. <laughs> yeah. I don't need like. I don't need a really big sound reinforcement, so. But it is, like, I have some mixes on music that I hope to release in sometime in the next, I'm just going to say year. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's really, like, like it's funny. I listen to, like, I'm like, oh, it sounds really good in here. I take it to my car, and it's just like, oh, man, there's so much yeah. work to do.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a big difference, listening to what you've recorded, taking it out of your studio, putting it in the car, putting it on, on headphones, and sonically, it's just completely different. Yeah, and so it's it's such an ordeal to try to get everything to sound how you want it to sound yeah. on multiple different audio devices. Yeah, And it's, I mean, to me, it's like I'm not an engineer, but it seems to me like a, a such a tedious task that you may as well just design it to sound really good on great speakers. Yeah. And if it doesn't sound that great on the rest, oh well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're just going to have to like sort of, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. That's why... That's why people get paid to do this stuff because they're willing to do that do that work, um, you know. It's yeah, it's just kind of finding that balance because you do. I mean, it's a, you know, obvi- yeah, for some situations you're just like, you know what, my music is not for listening in the car, yeah. so there. <laughs> so
0: I think that's why there's yeah. uh, I think that's how like job on the Spot came about, which is uh, more more of like an Oregon Washington sort of thing, right, right. But uh, you know, a lot of it is just like people coming together and doing these performances with modular usually modular and you know finding some space and i think a lot of it is actually like in a park or you know somewhere in nature
1: i think they do that in los angeles too
0: they do yeah 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 i heard about that
1: yeah that that is intriguing for sure um i think they do stuff in the la river yeah is... that makes sense <laughs> i know right <laughs> so yeah that's that's a very uh good idea i remember at Moogfest uh, a couple years ago i haven't been for a couple years so uh, they probably continued doing this but they had like a rotating cast of like um you know out, there's an outdoors it's an outdoor stage but it was kind of like yeah this sort of like rotating cast of players doing modular stuff um outdoors and it was more more of a park-like setting and it's just yeah it's just a nice way to you know like mm-hmm. it's a nice way to enjoy it because it's like it uh i don't know there's something you know organic about the fact that so much of this music is improvised, and you know, being outside and sort of interacting with it in the in an outdoor scene is like eh, I don't know. I think there's a good there's a good vibe to that. You yeah. Know? Um,
0: yeah, and I think it kind of goes back to what you said about a lot of these uh, modular performers are in a in a state of meditation. Right. And I think that goes very well with performing
1: outside. Yeah. And I, yeah, there is a lot of, there can be a lot of cognitive overhead on these things, you know, just like patching and, you know, and just like trying to like, uh, you know, figure out like, okay, what, you know, what knobs are going to be good for this and Mm -hmm. just getting to know your system. And, um, I think that also contributes to some of that too. It's just, you know, achieving that sort of virtuosity where you're, where you can be very kinetic with it. Um, you know or or i should say you can choose to be kinetic because it, it's like you don't mm-hmm. you don't have to yeah. um i think really uh it takes a lot of time you know
0: yeah yeah it does yeah you'll have to take time to understand the system you're investing in and building in this and figure out what works with each module better yes compared to the others
1: yeah yeah um there's yeah yeah and the interfaces are like i don't know this has sort of been a thing that i kind of have always been fascinated by and it's kind of driven a lot of the work I've been involved in. Because like, I, bef- I was working with Livid Instruments for a number of years. So I helped start that company with um, the primary partner, Jay Smith, and another partner, Travis Redding. Uh, we started that like in 2004 and had a good like 10, 11 year run there. Wow. Um, and that was all hardware interfaces. And we were trying to do, um, you know, trying to solve that. Part of the problem we were trying to solve was um, initially was doing live video. So we made mixer, you know, live video mixing and mixing software, uh, to control real time mixing of video clips and doing effects and things like that. So you could cut a music video, you know, at a concert kind of thing. It's <laughs> sort of like the wow. basic premise of that. And then we transitioned into music, um, cause so many people wondered if our controller worked with Ableton live. <laughs> and so we sort of like kept, we're like, well, everyone's asking that. How about we start addressing that market more? And, um. Yeah, so we were just you know really into trying to find different ways of arranging buttons, sliders, and knobs, and ways that people could you know create a comprehensive uh, performance on you know uh, and you know make an instrument and I, I we we all throw that instru- we all throw that instrument label around lightly I think a lot of times um, we're willing to call kind of anything and that makes noise an instrument <laughs> hmm. um, you know but if you sort of like you know, you look at the history of, you know, playing an instrument like guitars and violins and flutes, they all kind of they stand on their own very well. So um, that's kind of what we were aiming for with our interfaces um, and to sort of take people away from having to use a mouse and keyboard, and, you know, being able to be more like engaged with a, a device that was more suited to it. Um, and yeah, and so I've continued that with Sensel, which is also kind of like another very different thing because it's like now we just have like this pressure sensor, and <laughs> you can do what you know. There's all sorts of possibilities with it. It can yeah. be it can be one button. It can be 64. It can be a bunch of sliders. It can be a multi-touch device where it's not location. It doesn't matter where you touch it. You know, it depends on what number, which finger is being used at what time, and things like. That. There's all sorts of weird questions that come up and yeah, it's like, it's sort of like this blank slate of, of, uh, tangible music interaction, I guess that, (laughs) that is, that is possible with these things. So So
0: with, with Sensil have I know that, you know, I've, I've seen you perform with it and I, and I've, and I got to check out and play around with it at Synplex back in, in March. And you had a video screen set up, which is basically, you know, kind of like a grid. Yeah. and like you could push on you know the, the pad and you would watch the video as as the plane would stretch out more and more as, as you know with your pressure and, right. and moving around and what I'm curious about with this is your with the technology and the development and also is there a correlation with uh, Tim Thompson's work with his uh, his space table is, is space pallet? his Space pallet? yeah yeah
1: uh, well yeah he's been doing I uh, he he jumped on the the Sensil uh, Morph mannequin, like when that Kickstarter happened five years ago, because um, he he had been looking. So just to back up, the Tim Thompson is an artist. Uh, he's based in San Jose. He has um, some this instrument he's created called the Space Palette Pro, which has um, four pressure sensors. In this case, the the um, Multi Touch, and they're all sort of divided up into these sort of ideas that he. I don't know if he really promotes the term, but he's thrown out the term of of like um, time frets. So so everything's sort of broken into a grid, but you're touching the just sort of a continuous surface. And um, it's affecting both the audio and video. So he has uh, a large screen in front of you that's in. uh, And then you have like a large sort of um, oval palette with these, you know, with the four sensor morphs that are each about the size of an iPad 2. Uh, and then you just run your fingers over them and you're, you're generating like finger painting visuals of different sorts and different music depending on sort of what presets you select. Um, and it's really this sort of like insane <laughs> experience, you know, because it it's is. like you're just pushing around on these smooth surf plastic surfaces and then all this stuff is happening. And but you can make sense out of it, you know like, you can sort of decode, like, oh, okay, when I do this, I get this result, yeah. you know, it's not just a bunch of whatever, you know, it's all highly correlated, um, so, yeah, he, he had been searching for the technology that we offered in the, in the sense of more for really kind of a long time, and um, so, yeah, we kind of, we've enabled that because the our device not only is just a, it's a MIDI controller, it can be a keyboard, but it, we also have an API, so that's what he's using. Okay. He's just taking all the raw multi-touch information to um, generate essentially mm, OSC messages for painting and for creating music. Okay. Yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah. So he, his his development has been possible with the technology from Sensel.
1: Yes, and it's funny because he he our our company's founder Ilya. He initially had a company probably about 10 years ago um, that was called, uh, I should know this. I want to say touchable, but that's not right. Um, But it was a multi-touch pressure sensitive uh, technology. And it was on the market very briefly. And then it was bought by Amazon. And so when that happened, Tim had been, you know, he's like, oh, this is what I want. This multi-touch pressure sensitive thing. I want to start building this space palette idea. And once it came off the market, he was just like, I only have two of these things. You know, he had like one or two of them and he couldn't, he couldn't progress. So then he started working with, he did other, he did a bunch of other stuff that was, uh, you know, like fully interactive type, you know, music, audio things. And then uh, I started working with the Kinect using the depth sensing camera from Microsoft, uh, using that to sort of create these uh ways of triggering music and visuals all simultaneously with your large gestures of your hands. And uh and then when yeah, when the morph came out he immediately backed that and he was just like, okay, now I can finally build what I want to build and that's what the wow. the space palette is. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. great. Um, yeah.
0: You know, I saw him again, I saw him play perform resident as well mm-hmm. and got to, you know, and he, you know, he's he was happy to have anybody come up and you know touch the pads and see the reaction on on the screen and of course i had to touch it it was great yeah um so eventually i need to go down to san jose and chat with him and i know he's been doing meetups at his place at his house uh Mm -hmm. the photon salon I think he's calling it
1: yeah yeah and he only lives like maybe a mile away from me but and and i'm guilty i haven't been yet but it's you know that's how life is sometimes (laughs) yeah um but yeah, he's, so just to answer your question, like that thing that I had, I had set up at SynthPlex, which yeah. was a, uh, a max patch um, where I was using the max object. So we got sort of got the API built into max. Um, so I could get all the multi-pressure and then just sort of visualize that really simply by, you know, the harder you press, the higher a peak shows up on that grid. Um, and then tying that into uh, a VST. So I was using the... Um, the quanta vst from audio damage oh cool uh which is it's a granular synth so it works really nicely because it has a lot of odd parameters that you can attach your pressure and location to and so yeah you just kind of like put your fingers on and swipe around and <laughs> you know and it looks cool and it sounds <laughs> yeah, it weird does. and yeah there's I, I did a little performance with that at uh, at super booth and my little like oh, cool. my lecture performance thing so um Yeah, it's very, it's very fun to play. And it's definitely, I have another thing that I did that was, um, it's a little bit different. And I showed this at CES that was straight up influenced by what Tim was doing and where I had like these colorful circles that would, um, you know, be displayed on a screen and, and you'd sort of finger paint with those and, you know, press around with your hands. And then, um, each finger was sort of like a little different instrument and it was all, you know, time-based and, you know, everything was sort of locked to a grid. So, yeah, that was straight up like, well, Tim's stuff is too bulky for us, and I'm like, <laughs> well, I'll just whip this thing up in, in, uh, in Max, and you know, and it is- make it so. So it was a little bit easier to digest too, and in, in the, in the madness of CES, because
0: so. his equipment, like he brings, you know, he's got that you know custom built table with his with the pads set up in it, and then he's got you know what like a tower PC, yes, that that feed, everything is feeding in and out of. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's not a. It's not a. Um, it's not a flute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm
0: sure it's you know quite quite an effort just to you know set a gig up with that.
1: Yes, yeah, and he does he does a lot of shows. He'll he shows it um, like to the public and like anytime he gets a chance to like show it to the public around he'll he'll do that and it's great. He like at
0: he did a sub zero sub zero right? in San Jose which yeah. is like an
1: art walk you know where the city streets are closed and they have a bunch of different artists showing stuff that's cool. Um, so yeah, he shows it there with a bunch of headphones and yeah people just come by and play and they, they love it <laughs> that's awesome yeah uh,
0: did you uh were you at uh, sub-zero
1: uh yeah i did yeah. i walked around a little bit um you know that was it's a bike ride away so it's very easy to get to oh, nice. <laughs> yeah very nice. yeah
0: yeah i didn't get a chance to go i knew of it but i didn't have i didn't have time that weekend to go down
1: yeah it's a fun scene that's
0: cool how, how long has that been going on
1: uh, i want to say a good probably a good 10 years really yeah. And it's in,
0: in, in general, like an art? A variety yeah, of arts. I mean, it's, you
1: know, it's very, it's it's everything from, it's kind of like, um, there's stages for music, there's, uh, there's, you know, and then there's like artists selling paintings, <laughs> you know, okay. and then, you know, and then people selling t-shirts, and then there's a lot of like community organizations that have like, you know, various like, you know, just sort of tends to get people to know them, and... Then yeah, a lot of people like like to walk around. It's sort of like a, you know, a lot of the Bernie, South Bay Burning Man people are like, oh, I got an- another op- opportunity to use my uh, LED outfits. <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah, so it's like it's kind of this festival of you know creative festival like that is, you know, it's pretty uh, easygoing. It's good. That's
0: great. Yeah, I need it. Yeah, I need. It, it was one of those things that like I saw it happening. Like. I need to get down there I need to do this. <laughs> yeah nope. they do it every year next nice. year okay i'll try to make it out yeah. <laughs> that's great that they've been doing it for 10 years yeah i'm glad to hear about that yeah and then like there's another thing that started happening in illinois knobcon uh, which i yes. haven't haven't made it out to yet i almost went last year just because my girlfriend's parents live like a town or two over from mm. schaumburg okay so i was thinking i could go stay with them and it'd be easy to get over and i didn't go maybe that maybe later this year i think it's in september
1: right uh yes I think it is yes it is i haven't been to that either um and again yeah that's i think it's a um it's another one of those small synthesizer shows that you know attracts a good crowd and um i'm not sure when that started um i've talked to the the suit and tie guy who's sort of the uh the main he's the main organizer behind that show um but it seems like a pretty fun event i've heard good things about it cool and again i think it's you know it's conferences trade show um i don't know if they do diy stuff they i would almost think you'd have to <laughs> <laughs> just because it's a synthesizer event yeah um i learned about it at moog fest um you know also that's also you know again that's another example of like one of these synthesizer sort of community spots you know or yeah. um the trade shows just open to the public, which is nice. That's nice. You know, it's great. Well, it's, it's nice for the public for man, when you're booting it can be hard because <laughs> all these people are coming up who oh, have really, like, like no really desire dope.
0: to like buy anything. They're just kind of curious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: But you know, that's, that's very important, you know, <laughs> and those conversations can be very, those conversations can be very fun and it's nice. It can be a nice break. Cause uh, a lot of times when you're, You know showing a product at a booth you end up having the same conversation a lot (laughs) like nam is very much like that um the smaller the smaller shows are much better in that regards because um they're just more focused and the and so the audience is just more in tune with what you're doing you can kind of cut to the chase very quickly and then you know they they have a much better idea of how it's going to fit into their creative life you know, they're like, oh, he's, or, or they, they understand like, yeah, that's not for me. And then they'll move on, <laughs> you know? So yeah. it's like, it's fun. It's fun. And like, um, yeah, so you really do get a good, like panoply of, you know, what, what people want out of these things. And it's kind of intimidating too, cause you're just like, oh man, it's like, well, you want to address all of these like possibilities that people have, you know, but Man, you gotta be focused, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's, that's a challenge with with the morph because it, it does like it's like a lot of times the answer is yes, you can do that, you know, because it's like it's kind of a blank slate of control, Um, and so that is a challenge of like, well, it, you know, any any product guy is gonna tell ta- well, who's this for, you know? Mm-hmm. Give me the elevator pitch, and you're just like, ah, yes, <laughs> you know, that's not that's not what this is about, you know. You try to create it, but you have to to some degree just so people understand like they can attach themselves to some something that they might imagine themselves using it with. But, um, yeah, it is funny. Cause it's like, well, it kind of defies that because it's not like, Oh, this, you know, headphones go in the headphone section and <laughs> keyboards go in the keyboard section and, uh, you know, guitar pedals go with guitars and, um, you know, it's not, not always so easy to do that with these sort of like, uh sort of genre crossing devices so, yeah. yeah
0: yeah that makes sense so, peter i'm curious about how did you really get into electronics and you know in the business that you that you're currently in? yeah
1: yeah so it's kind of it's it's definitely not a plan um the so i was not i was at like i mentioned i was at uc santa cruz and i was getting uh i was working towards a math degree there uh which was sort of just like i never thought i would be getting a math degree but santa cruz will do that to people (laughs) (laughs) turn someone from the someone who's like more humanities based is turn them into a mathematician um and vice versa the but yeah so i discovered the like a friend of mine was just like oh you know i'd always been sort of into guitar and guitar pedals i'm not a very good guitar player but i was into this stuff you know and a friend of mine was like oh you, you know there's an electronic music studio here i was like what (laughs) and he's like yeah i'll show you around sometime and and so i got on that track and it wasn't you know wasn't part of any major it was totally like cross-disciplinary so yeah you had people from humanities you had computer science people um you had electrical engineers you had musicians all in the same class you know so that was i think very like for me it was very like um eye-opening because you'd have all these different perspectives of what people wanted you know the problems that different people would have different problems with this stuff and people would get very different results, you know? <laughs> and, um, but everybody was like, since people were kind of left to their own devices, uh, literally, you know, you get really cool, good work out of that stuff. So, um, I really kind of like opened up the potential and then I got into max there. Um, so that was, you know, it was max when max was with opcode, it was just MIDI, um, And you could take, you know, keyboard events and MIDI events and just kind of, like, process them and manipulate them and create generative things or interactive things. Um, And that was one of those things I was, like, I didn't – the friend of mine was, like, oh, you should see this. I'm, like, I don't understand that at all, you know, which is probably, like, what happens with 90% of the people who see Max. (laughs) And then one night I was in the studio and, and then, like, I was, like, in the adjacent studio and I had to go get a cable, like, from the other one. And there was this guy working with Max and he had this whole patch uh, that was using the mouse. And so he was taking, like, mouse events, you know, and using those to control, like, send MIDI to all these different synthesizers, uh, you know, which would, would have been, like, a Roland JD 990 and a DX7 and, you know, Yamaha, yeah. like, drum machine and, uh, oh, you know, man. older stuff. And I was, you know, all through 5-pin, five 5-pinned five in. Um, and I and I was just, like, you know, this was, he was running on Macintosh two two SI I believe um and he was just getting these wild results just by you know moving his mouse around and clicking at different times and I was like okay what is going on And he just sort of took me through his patch and oh,
0: that's cool and and
1: I was like the the whole like being able to like hear what max could do was very enlightening and then also like just you know that he had taken this like uh very perfunctory uh, interface device that was designed for office work and completely subverted it and turned it into this, 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 you know, wand of magic that was, you know, controlling all of these devices plugged in all over the studio. It was just like, okay, this is really, I really need to dive into this some more. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I got into max at that time and started, you know, uh, started doing like little generative things and, you know, incorporating it into tracks we were recording to tape. And, it, yeah, and so I just, like, I got the, I got the bug with Max, got the bug with synthesizers and sound and the whole idea of being able to just, you know, manipulate sound. And I was really into Frank Zappa at the time. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> I still am, you know, but he yeah. was definitely, like, you know, with a lot of other stuff, but Zappa was definitely, like, he had all those different... He had so many timbres that we would work with, and then he got into electronic music, and, you know, for a control freak like that, he was really, you know... He found a lot of, like, amazing plasticity in sound that was... Mm fascinating to me um so yeah i just kind of like uh, i guess the nice thing about learning digital is that i could kind of like i didn't have to assemble an expensive studio it was like okay well i already have this thing i need for work i have this mac software on it and i can do get a couple of like basic synthesizers and i can just start doing all sorts of stuff you know yeah. and then they came out with msp you know in like 95 or something like that um then that gave me additional capabilities of working with sound and just it, Max made it also plastic and made it so like anything was anything. Inputs were could be could output anything. It wasn't like this. The keyboard didn't mean anything anymore to me. The, the you know piano. like the, the piano keyboard or the the uh, you know the, the QWERTY keyboard. It was like okay, well this this button can do anything. It can do one the tiniest little blip of noise or it can you know trigger like a whole musical idea or concept. Um, so yeah, that's where I, (laughs) that's kind of how I got into it. And then getting into the business was really just sort of, um, by staying active in, in max and being part of that forum, like the email forum at the time. Okay. Um, and just asking a lot of questions and showing my work and, you know, different types, like different times, like, so I got to know people at the company and they'd be like, Oh, someone needs help with their patch. You know, they'd hire me for something and, um, I do a little bit of that, um, and then I started with Livid Instruments, where I met uh, Jay Smith online, and he had had this, he made this crazy MIDI controller, and he wanted to control video with it, and he he needed software to do it, and so I was like, oh, yeah, I can do that, <laughs> and so just started, like, you know, riffing on those ideas, and we're like, he went on tour with his rock band, uh, where he was the video guitar player, right, the, vid- <laughs> the video guitar player. It's called the Viditar. Oh, cool. And so um he and this rock and this band cinch and he was on stage with them as with all the other rock instruments and they had two big screens and he was cutting video live and like every you know they went on a nationwide tour for like one or two years and like especially like all of the people you know all of the uh, front of house people and the lighting design people and all of the, like the people in production were just like i, I didn't even know you could do that <laughs> you know. <laughs> wow. And they're like, this is this is incredible. Like nobody had this capability and everybody thought it was amazing. So we're like, there's a business in this. So yeah. that's kind of when we just started slowly growing that company, uh, and building it out from for video and then started going into music and Yeah. And so it's just doing that, you you know, it we kept chasing the ideas, you know. <laughs> yeah. You just meet a lot of people and it just sort of like I like, got a lot of roots in the business. So That's amazing. No, um, yeah.
0: nah, I'm all good. Okay. So with now that you're now you're working with uh, Sensen Sensel and how yeah. long have you been working with Sensel? Uh,
1: a couple about two and a half years now. Okay. Um, so I came on with them right when they started to ship the product from their Kickstarter because it took like three years to finish the product. And they had about I think twenty five hundred backers, so um, I came like I had met the the founders when they first started, uh, you know, just the two of them, Aaron and Ilya, and. I met them at like a hardware meetup around here in SF and, you know, and he's like, Oh, I work on pressure sensors. And I was like, Oh, well, I work with, you know, music devices and we need pressure sensitive electronics. <laughs> and I was like, let's talk, you know? Yeah. So, you know, we got to know each other a little bit, but neither of us were ready to work together. And um, yeah. And then eventually like a couple of years ago, like I was looking for some work and, you know, I had been in touch with them and, you know, caught in touch. And I was like, Hey, do you need help? getting this thing to market and it's like where you're at with this and so it was just kind of like making that transition from being a kickstarter product to like something that would be sold like any other product you know a consumer product so that's a very it's a very different buyer very different challenge and as i had the background from working with livid for so long that you know i knew i kind of knew the music industry um i know the music products industry really well so um I knew that there were certain things out of the gate that we needed to do with it. Um, beyond that, I mean, the, the morph can do, I mean, it's not just a music device It has like video editing, QWERTY and gaming and these other things that can do with it. But like the best value and the best showcase for that technology is, is music. Cause it's the most demanding and they're the people who are going to get the most out of it. So that's wow. kind of like where we, that's our, that's our destination for it. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah,
0: I, I'm still fascinated with it, and I have, you know, I have yet to really do more research on on deciding if it's, you know, something that I need to invest in for my personal use. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not sure yet. It's something that, you know, again, you know, I need to spend a bit more time just kind of looking at it and and deciding if it, what its capabilities are are what I'm looking for.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, its capabilities are kind of endless. Yeah, and that's that's actually kind of intimidating. Yeah, it is. It's really intimidating for sure. You know, Um, some people really like to chase that, and other people are just like, "Well, I just want to do this one thing." And you can you can go either way. But yeah, trying to like speak to both of those people is and making sure that they're comfortable is like, man, that's a lot harder than I would have expected. You know. Uh, Tell me about your
0: setup when you played it, when you perform it live, like say at Resident, when you you performed, how was, what was, what did you set up?
1: So at Resident, what I was doing, that was sort of my, oh my, sorry. There's a container ship that's just blowing my mind right now, going through the harbor. That's a lot of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, I see those all the time. (laughs) You can come across the Pacific Ocean on that, like, uh, anyway so yeah where was i that that was weird yeah we um, pass by alcatraz all the time man <laughs> yeah i i'm not i'm not seeing that that's a great view um <laughs> where was i the uh, uh, you're set up at a oh yeah with, set up with with so the, that was like the morph yeah so the morph in that case was i was using it sort of as an auxiliary and um the centerpiece of that i was using my my favorite living controller which is the control r um, which is one of the most unusual more unusual Livid uh, controllers. Cause it was, you know, um, a lot of stuff we were doing was button grids and that type of thing. Um, we had co-designed this with Richie Houghton in like 2011, I think it was 2010. And so it has like a two rows of 16 RGB led, you know, rubber buttons on the bottom. And then it has eight channel strips of, um, one slider and three potentiometers. It has a 4x4 four four grid in the middle, and it has uh, 12 encoders, a 3x4 encoder group at the in the top center. Um, and this thing is, it's kind of like this weird hybrid of, like, you know, like a uh, Roland drum machine, you know, step sequencer, all that type of stuff, though it doesn't have any clock on itself. It's, like, it's all designed to work with software. So we have, like, a suite of, like, max for live devices and, you know, and Ableton scripting and things like that that kind of, like, uh, allow you to sort of access your devices and do a bunch of sequencing on the fly so that was like my hub because I was doing sort of a techno jam with that and so I was you know sequencing uh, drums and bass with that mostly uh, the morph I was using as sort of like a um, mostly I was using I was using the um, music production controller which is the, a 4x4 four four grid of pads and then some sliders and knobs and and then there's like a little key bed down there and i was using that just as a way to like play um like ambient synth stuff you know you know techno you've got your yeah. you've got your beats and then you've got your your swoosh <laughs> 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 and so that was like uh a key part of that was a key part of my swoosh you know nice. at some point in my set and it's just you know it's just kind of like it's i was kind of getting like a theremin type effect out of it you know because awesome. i was because it is it's more of like a because you have that extra pressure and it's really sensitive it's kind of like a really like um Get more like corp- corporeal, get, you get more of your body into it, you mm. know, than just like it's a very different sensation than playing a, a keyboard or, or, you know, using knobs and sliders and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, so yeah, like as an auxiliary, and it's cool because it doesn't take much room on the table. So you just throw it on there and you're like, I'm just going to use it for a little bit in the set and that's fine. <laughs> it doesn't have to be the centerpiece.
0: Yeah. Um, because I like the idea of, you know, with the technology available now, as you know, yeah. We're able to, you know, performers, musicians, and, are, and even video, you know, uh, artists are able to play a set, and all their equipment can, like, fit in a backpack. Yeah. And I think that's fantastic.
1: Yes. Yeah, and especially if you're flying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. It's like, nope, you know, not going to check anything. It's a carry-on. <laughs> yeah, for Super Booth, it was funny, because, like, Super Booth, you know, we, had a, we have a very small table there, you know, but I did a trade show on two pieces of luggage right <laughs> so, cool you know and but i had a full full setup like it's nice yeah. that they, they provide speakers so that helps that's a lot. good yeah. yeah so um but yeah you know it is the portability is things it's like oh well i can do my whole deal and you know on an international flight and not have to pay any additional luggage fees like that's crazy yeah <laughs> so um yeah, like the Superbooth, like I did something very different from that set I did at Resident. Um, and that was like, I did like these little vignettes where I was using, like I said, I to use that multi-pressure instrument that I did with Quanta and just kind of did like this soundscape type thing. Um, and I did, uh, and then I did some stuff with modular. So I had it going into the Expert Sleepers FH2. Mm-hmm. which is, you know, a uh, USB MIDI host and then spits out CV. Yeah. Um, so I had the Morph plugged into that and I was using the Thunder overlay. You know, it's just kind of a natural, <laughs> natural fit, right? You got to use the, you got to use the Buchla Thunder with the modular <laughs> stuff. And uh, so, yeah, I was using that to, just um, sort of like, you know, again, using that pressure and being able to pitch bend and using the timbre controls, like instead of having to, twiddle knobs you just sort of have like these motions and gestures that are your pr- parametric controls <laughs> um so just running that through a synth and then i had like some auxiliary stuff running in a um, bitwig had some like beats and some a couple other little things that playback type things <laughs> you yeah. know and just to to give me some give me some uh background to to do my noodling so yeah and that was um that was definitely more like ambient and down tempo than doing a high energy techno set so pretty cool, yeah, um, yeah. And then let's see. The other gig I did recently was the Day of Noise, which is uh, KF KZSU radio station down at Stanford, and that was yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. all twenty four hours of experimental music. And so, I God
0: did, KZSU. I used to use their their back in ninety nine two thousand. Mm-hmm. They had a a section of their website that was dedicated to. A variety of industrial music and i was using it and it was a database of just like names of different bands and i was using that as research to to basically teach myself what am i what should i be listening to and and branch out and experiment and of course this is back when like Napster was a thing still and before he got sued (laughs) so i was using that to find things at you know with, with uh with that website yeah so i that's fantastic. Yeah, please, I'm sorry. Please continue.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So casey they do this every year, like around February, and it's uh, organized by uh, Abra Jeffers, who is, I think, she started as a DJ there. I think, I think she still has a show there too. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I should know these things. Um, but yeah, so she just digs, puts out a call to like Bay Area artist networks and you know, noise musicians in the area, and. You know, sort of divvies up 24 hours of slots. So that's anywhere from half an hour to an hour. Um, and it's, yeah, it's like acoustic groups, you know, it's uh, noise musicians, people just doing, you know, sound art. And uh, yeah, so it's just 24 hours of just great stuff. I always like to do the early mornings. So. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very cool, man. So, yeah, and that one was, like, I kind of did like an ambient set, used the morph a lot to just sort of like, you know, drive drive sound and control it you know it's nice to again like having been a knob and slider guy for so long it's nice to just sort of i always like to call it like massage as a as a (laughs) metaphor for music making (laughs) that makes sense yeah
0: yeah yeah i mean like you know since i know what the pads look like it, it totally makes
1: sense yeah yeah and it's like you know that's that's not a metaphor that you know most electronic music is sort of like organized around like these all of these analogies and metaphors that are derived from previous instrumentation right so um you know the envelope the adsr envelope it's like well okay it's like it's computationally possible or electrically possible and then you can form it so you can do a piano type thing And here's you know here's how you shape it for a piano here's how you shape it for strings here's how you shape it for a snare drum and you know and so it's like it's all organized around those ideas um and then the interfaces you know are a lot of times and this is I, I, I talk about this when I give a talk about like interfaces and <laughs> electronic music a lot. It's like everything's derived from like wartime uh, technology, right? You mm-hmm. have like all this stuff that was des- that was used to like make to like drive tanks, to guide bombs and missiles or calculate bomb and missile trajectories. Um, and then all of the, like the sort of like trickle down technology that came from, you know, really World War Two. It's like we're still using that stuff, like knobs and sliders. And, we are, you know, and like we don't use it with any question. But it's like, yeah, this has this has death roots, you know. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think even the
0: microwave was it was developed, you know, for military use. Right. And now we use it in kitchens.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, and, and I think it's really awesome that you know that that music has subverted all of that, you know, and turned turned this stuff into you know uh, cultural expression you know means of cultural expression but at the same time i'm like well there are other modes you know especially with like the blank slate that computer technology and electronics offers now like you can yeah there's so many other analogies that you can use you know the connect sort of um i think a lot of people were able to sort of incorporate dance as a music making interface mm-hmm. um you know whether or not that's successful yeah. <laughs> you know um One you know or the thing. conducting you know uh, using the conducting that's also been a metaphor that's been chased a lot but that's a music based um whereas dance is sort of you know just a different cultural expression and so that's where i'm kind of like a oh, massage is a massage is an analogy for music interaction now um what other things can we do you know it's, yeah <laughs> it's, it's wide open
0: and there was a video game that came out in the I think the early aughts maybe 2000 2002 called rez r-e-z mm-hmm. i think it was i think it was on playstation 2 i th- think it was on that okay and it was a, you know, it was a vector game and basically you just had a care you know this you're this floating character that over the levels your character would evolve into different shapes and forms you know starting out with a very simple um humanoid looking character uh-huh. and it would morph into different shapes and forms and the idea was you go through these levels, and again the whole thing is a huge vector that you're going through these different you know, kind of universes. It's very techno, and yeah. and the way you you go through the levels is you're you're basically mashing A or B, and you're creating music with every button that every time you hit something it's creating music. It's a, it was a very musical game. Oh wow! And it was all based around you know these beautiful 3D vector designs and cool techno sounds <laughs> I,
1: gotta, I gotta find the youtube videos of this because that's a really fun cool. game
0: it's a simple game but it yeah. was really fun
1: yeah yeah that's that it's funny because it kind of reminds have you seen that new gaming platform it's um that panic and teenage engineering uh recently they've been showing some models of it or prototypes i forget what it's called i but it has, you know, it has, like, your little A, B and your motion, you know, your basic game controls on the front and a little yeah. black and white screen, some simple games. But it also has this crank on the side. And crank on the side. Yeah. So there's, like, a, you know, it's teenage engineering. So, they, there's, like, <laughs> so there's this little crank, you know, it has a little handle on the side, and you turn the crank. And so that's that's a game control for some of the games. Yeah. And it's like, wow, that's, that's great. It's very different, you know. Like, yeah. Um, and it's it's a very it's great that it's a simple device but they're introducing this very novel concept and it's yeah. like oh, how will this be used? It's okay. kind of like
0: how it's kind of like maybe a little bit of a development on the on the uh the pocket operators that they they've, they've been producing over the years. <laughs> yes. Like that one? Yes. Um where it with I don't have the batteries in it right now but you know it basically there's a little display with characters going on but really you don't control that at all. It's just a cool little graphic. It's
1: and... <laughs> it's amazing. Yes. Yeah, it's just like this sort of like you know visual input because they can and there is some i guess there is some, i haven't really played with them that much but there is some meaningful input on the screen but oh yeah, yeah there's also tell just tell a lot of
0: volume and you know bpm things like that yeah but overall like the cool little graphics on there like there's two boxers on on the KO sampler yeah. that are they just do their own thing and you don't really control that right
1: right yeah. and that's that's it's really magical like it, it is. it's like it has this animating spirit within it <laughs> yeah it's great um, yeah I don't know interface I think interface influences you know the worth of a lot of the things that you know that we choose to use on software particularly you know yeah um you know if it looks expensive it sounds expensive even if it's the same compressor <laughs> algorithm you know like who knows <laughs> you know I always wonder about that like the teenage engineering the the um the what is their first device that, why am I blanking The do I make The op one op one yeah you know, that thing has just delightful animations for it, Yeah. you know, and it's like, that makes, you know, makes a big difference. Like a loop is a loop. Right. But mm-hmm. like when it has that really delightful, like, you know, animation going on, you just feel like you want to keep working with it. You yeah. know, you want, you want to be closer to it. And it's just, you know, like, Oh man, you got it. It takes a lot of time to make those things work, but it does, but you it's know,
0: pretty, they're, they're amazing. Yeah.
1: The payoff I think is, is, Quite incredible. That's an iconic device now.
0: It really is. Like I just uh, just was it last this this month. I had um, Yate come by, and uh, his name is Josh, and he actually he performed a peaked this past oh, this past month, okay. and he used the OPZ, yeah, along with a MIDI uh, uh, box that was send that was set that was uh, receiving signal from a plant that had a contact mic on it sending that into the opz (laughs) okay it was so cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah and yeah he he played a really fun set and very uh like very kind of like nintendo-esque sounds like 8-bit yeah yeah like uh, 16-bit chiptune type thing. chiptune stuff absolutely all right he played a fantastic
1: set yeah with that little machine yeah and it was really fun yeah and it's funny in a world of like you know fakes and copies like I don't think nobody's really trying to op, out OP one the OP one. No, you know, <laughs> People I, are like, they're like, they're like, how do you, how do you, how do you branch from that? You yeah, know? if
0: anything, they've kind of you know they've taken what they originally made and made it into an even smaller device and made it a little bit more affordable.
1: Yes, with the OPZ. Which, yes. Yeah, and, and this is great. Right. Because they outsourced the screen, they they offloaded the screen to the yep. screen you have in your pocket, which, yeah. is, <laughs> which is something that I have to say, that was something that, like, uh, sort of near near the sort of, like, uh, end of my time with Livid, that was one of the things I was really kind of, like, investigating, like, I'm like, how can we leverage the screen that everybody has in their pocket, because we didn't have screens on our controllers, and, you know, we're starting to get the heat a little bit from that, and, <laughs> you know, and everything was integrated with software, and, we had these really like super capable scripts that, you know, would allow you to control, you know, a lot like, you know, the AP the APC and the push, we were able to leverage all that same stuff. Um, but you know, like you you really had to concentrate on this, you know, your computer screen to know where you are and get that feedback. Mm-hmm. And so there's that little bit of that disconnect between your device and the screen. Um so, you know, I was like, oh god, if we could just like like we, we didn't really want to engineer a screen you know for a variety of reasons um, and so i started like you know working like well how can we get that information and just send it you know create like a web server and just you know you yeah. can just go into a browser and like we actually did a prototype of that yeah. and and it was super like it was great you just put your phone on the you know in front of the controller and like it would not tell you like what your knobs were mapped to as you navigated around and oh, cool uh, yeah and it was just like oh this is super cool like this this works out really well but it's you no know, it was no small feat to set up you know because mm-hmm. it's like well you gotta create like a communication from live to you know your third party web server and then oh your server to, you know and it was just like it worked you know once it was going i was like okay this is cool but it was like yeah this is gonna be a support nightmare <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah because it's just like it's not like yeah all your web developer friends would be like oh yeah that's great but then like yeah, you know yeah. the guy who just wants to make some beats would be like, well, it's not working. It's just like, yeah. yeah, it's
0: not intuitive. Probably it
1: was it was a little. There were too many, too many clicks and too many steps. <laughs> but I think it's I think something like that is going to be a lot easier. Um, this guy uh, James Westfall, he's been doing. He did a lot of our scripting for for Live, and he's done the scripts for uh, Sensel. He he's just he knows like all this like he knows how to reverse engineer like all of the the Live scripts and you know. He has a whole framework around this stuff. A lot of this stuff's open source at um on GitHub, and uh, he's got like a suite of Maxwell devices, and it's, it's kind of like people don't know about him. <laughs> and I'm like I'm I'm here to tell you about him. Uh, yeah, O M H A A U A U M H A A on on GitHub. Um, but he's yeah he's been doing some interesting work with like you know sort of like allowing for web servers from you know, Max for Live devices and stuff like that. So I think there's going to be some cool stuff that comes out of that. Nice. So, yeah.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Well, Peter, I, th- I think we've talked for just over an hour. And oh, awesome. It great, man. <laughs> All right, great. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much. Yeah,
1: thanks so much for having me. This was awesome. fun.